Nothing like it when Jesus, you're in his presence. And I know he's with us this morning. I want to talk to us this morning a little while. It's nothing to me that's more weak, more powerless on this earth than somebody who's without the Lord. With the Lord, Paul said, I can do all things for Christ strengthens me. Jesus said that apart from me, though, we can do nothing. And so we need to understand this morning the importance of having God rightfully placed in our life. And I want to talk to us about a very familiar passage this morning about a man named Samson. If you've got your copy of God's Word, I want to invite you to turn to Judges chapter 16. In Judges chapter 16, the story in times of Samuel starts out in chapter 13. We'll look from there back up to 16. But it says, again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And so for 40 years, God's people was under the chastening hand of God, and the primary tool was the Philistines who had come in and who were oppressing them. And in his his mercy, he raised up judges. They were like deliverers who would fight and who would stand for God's people. Samson was one of those judges. The the book of Judges is a sad book because it's constantly people did what was right in the sight of their own eyes and there was no king in Israel in those days for they did whatever they wanted. The result of that is they needed a lot of help. Well, anyway, Samson, everyone knows who Samson is. He's the what in about the strongest man in the Bible. And as strong as Samson was, he was very weak though in a lot of other ways. But this morning, I want you to look with me at a verse that kind of just came to me and it kind of hit home and I believe it hits home. It's a seasonal word for what's going on in our days because if there was ever a time in America, the Philistines are upon us. The enemy is here and the enemy seems to be so abundant. But if you look with me here, Samson for years had been defeating the Philistines every time. And he just kind of took for granted. When you look right here, though, it says, Delilah, she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep. And he said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But look what it says. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. That's the King James. The NIV says, he did not know that the Lord had left him. I believe this verse is very applicable to us today, not only individually, families, the church, the community, but America. I believe America needs to get woke up. America is asleep. I believe the church is asleep. I believe the majority of our homes are asleep. And we need to understand something, my friends, that the the Philistines are upon us. But I think some of us is taken for granted the past. America was strong in its day, but she's not what she once was. The church in America is not what she once was. And if we're honest today, the family, the average home in America is not as strong as it used to be. And the reason is because most of us are not as strong as we used to be. I believe that as you look here, Samson, when he woke up, he didn't even realize That his strength was gone. Remember, when we first get saved, how powerful the Lord is in your life. 
I mean, when you get born again, when you first come to the Lord, the Lord is everything and you're close to Him. And He's all to you if you really got saved. And at that moment, the power of God is so powerful and manifested in you because He begins to change you. You begin to think old things passing away, all things becoming new. The Spirit of God is moving in your life and He's working and He's changing you and He's giving you a hunger for the Word and He's giving you a desire to pray and you want to spend time with God and you're near to God and you walk with God and God is on you. But friends, what happens with time, if you're not careful, you drift. And as you drift... God doesn't always go with you. And if you drift from God, you get away from God, you lose the things that only God can do in your life. And one of the great blessings that God gives us is His power, His strength through His Spirit. I want you to look at this. One of the signs of a heart that has drifted away from God is the absence of spiritual power. You know, I I don't know about you, but I can see in my life seasons when that power that gives me that anointing to live a life above to be the life that Christ died for me to have is with me but when you get away from God it's not and friends listen to this Samson did not even realize he didn't even recognize that something was wrong until after he tried to defeat his enemies and today how many of you would be willing to admit that there's a Philistine upon me and I can't get him off The Philistines have got me and I can't get loose. I mean, I've got things in my life that I constantly realize are defeating me, but I don't seem to have the spiritual vitality and power anymore to overcome them. When I first got saved, He was changing me. He was giving me victories. But now I've succumbed to this is the way it is and this is just the way it's got to be and I no longer walk in victory. I no longer am now living a life where Christ is alive in my heart. But friends, listen to this. Samson didn't even recognize it until the enemy came. I want you to think about it. America used to be strong. We was whooping everything. We started out with 13 little colonies that united And we were able to whoop the strongest world power in the world, England, against a tyrant named King George. And because God was with us, he gave us liberty. And he blessed the United States of America as we come into the nation. And through the nation, you can see God was with us. I mean, look what we whipped and overcome. We overcame civil war. We we helped to win World War I. In World War II, we overcame Imperial Japan and we whipped Nazi Germany. I had this old Cajun told me that they was on vacation and they went to France. <laughs> this is true. And he said, while we was in France, we were in there talking. He said, that arrogant Frenchman was talking in French. He didn't know I was a Cajun. And he was saying, these stupid Americans. He said, I walked up to him and said, if it wasn't for those stupid Americans, you'd be speaking German. Not only did we help win the war for ourselves, we delivered the world. We were a power to be reckoned with. But today we're being destroyed by a little nobody named Antifa that we can't even get away. Our towns and cities are burning. Our neighborhoods are in an uproar. And no one seems to even be able to do nothing about it. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of it. How did America get that way? I can tell you what happened. Same thing happened to Samson. We drifted. And God has left us. He's not where he used to be in America. But just think about our homes. Our churches. 
Our churches used to be a place where God's manifested power was shown, where people got saved, where this altar would be covered with people weeping who got up never to be the same, where we made a difference in the community. The community was different because the church was here. And because the church was making an impact, our families were different. Our families today are struggling just as bad as those outside the church. But let's just bring it on back to where it starts with me and you. I'm not as strong in the Lord, maybe, as I used to be. Maybe the Philistine has defeated me, and maybe that's a sign that I need to check into where I'm at with the Lord. Because I want you to look at this. If we are like Samson, we'll not notice right away that God's power has left us as you drift. It doesn't happen usually in one big swoop. It's a gradual drifting away. And friends, listen. With God's strength, Samson was a mighty warrior who had never experienced one defeat. Without God's strength, Samson was now powerless and defeated against his enemies. He went out against the Philistines as many times before, expecting a swift defeat and a certain victory. But this time, the Philistines easily prevailed over him. What was the difference? God had been with him. And now because of his own actions, God had left him. Friends, why would God left him? You see, the Philistines wasn't his worst enemy. You know who Samson's chief enemy was? Samson. The Philistines didn't defeat Samson. Samson defeated Samson. And you know what I come to find? We defeat ourselves. The church defeats itself. Because we, do, we, we don't allow God. And you know what? America's defeating herself. We're our worst enemy, I believe. Because we have not allowed God his place. You know, if you look with me here, Samson was a gifted, very, you know, right now they talk about a word, (laughs) privileged. Samson was privileged. He was privileged to be chosen by the Lord before birth. And I don't know about you, but if you saved, you privileged. God chose you to save you, to bring his blessings into your life. And if you look back with me in chapter 13, I want to show you something about how privileged he was. Samson was not no ordinary man. He was never no ordinary child. God had chosen his hand would be upon him. If you look right here, it says in verse 3, and the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman, that's his mama, and said there, indeed now you are barren, and you've borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And listen to what he says about him. Now, therefore, please be careful. Guys, listen, if you want God's blessing, you got to be careful. If you want to keep God's blessing, you got to be careful. So he's fixing the blesser. So he says, now, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, meaning anything from the vine. And do not eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. That wasn't all he had to do. Look at verse 7. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. Nor the child shall be... For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Guys, listen. To he who has been given much, the Bible says much is required. And God has given you the greatest gift of all when he saved you. And he filled you with something. 
his spirit, his life. And the Christ in you, the hope of glory, is in a saved person. And we have him. And we have that availability to his power. The greatest thing about Samson was that God was with him. That God was blessing him. And that the Spirit of God was moving on him. Look at what happened at his birth. Look at verse 24 of chapter 13. We're working ourselves back up to where we started. So the woman bore a son, just like God promised. Not only a son, she bore a son who was chosen to be a Nazarite. A holy man. A blessed man. So look at what it says. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. How many here would say since the day you got born again and got saved by the grace of God, God has blessed you. Amen. God has showed you his mercy. He's poured out his grace. He's taken you from the the clay pit and raised you up on the solid ground. He's been with you and he's blessed you, friends. But not only did he bless him, look what it says in verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. Man, I love coming to church because there's no other place I can go where the Spirit of the Lord moves amongst people like here. Man, when He's here, it's worth coming. When He ain't, you ought to go fishing. Amen? Because when He ain't here and He ain't moving, this is the deadest, dullest thing you'll ever do. But when God's Spirit is here and He's moving in our presence, it's the greatest thing you can do. Same way with your life. When God is moving in you, when he's blessing you, and his spirit is actively working in you, Christianity is awesome. It's wonderful. It's anything but boring. (laughs) Because you never know what God's going to do with you. Because when his spirit's moving in you, what he can do with you is unbelievable. It's beyond our ability to even imagine. And there's no enemy that you can't defeat. There's no obstacle you can't overcome when God is blessing you and His Spirit is moving in you. But today I look around and I said, where did the Spirit go in some of our churches? Where did the Spirit go in many of our homes? I say, where did the Spirit go that used to move in America and bless us and give us victory and power to overcome defeat? We just come and we just accept it. I don't know about y'all, but I ain't accepting America the way it is. I'm going to say, God bless America again. Amen. I'm not going to accept our homes the way I see some of them. God bless them. Help them. God, thank God that God's blessing us and he's moving in our church. But Lord, there's so much more. Bless us, oh God. Move in our life. Friends, listen. The thing about Samson that made him different was not that he was like, I don't believe Samson looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He didn't go to the gym. He was born with something within him. And it was the Spirit of God on Samson that made him strong. I believe that's what blew their mind. How's he doing this? He don't look no different than us. But Samson was stronger than any other man because God made him that way. And friends, though it made him that way, he'll show you. Samson's life, there's two things that you see that is a pattern. One, that he consistently keeps doing dumb things that he shouldn't do, that he knows not to do, that is going to bring him away from God. One is he's a womanizer. One is he doesn't take serious the fact that he's a Nazarite. And he does things that because God chose you to be a holy man, a Nazarite, a man that is different and special, who his calling and his power can work through. You can't do certain things. You can't do certain things. You can't drink wine. You can't touch anything dead that's unclean. You you can't ever let your hair be cut. Friends, I don't know if you realize this, but if you're going to be a Christian who walks with spiritual power, there's certain things you can't do. 
There's certain places you can't go. And there's certain things you have to do to maintain a spiritual life where power is working in you. And friends, listen to this. It says that one day he was on his way to go get a woman who he should have never went got because she was a Philistine woman, the enemy, an unclean heathen. And he says, I want her. His daddy said, son, can't you find somebody from our own people? Someone better than that? Surely there's a woman in our midst, though. God's people that you could find. He says, no, I want her because she pleases me. Go and get her for me. You know, the enemy of God's blessing in our life is those things that please, that God says we shouldn't do. But Samson did it anyway. He's on the way there, though, and God is still with him. And while he's on the way there, a lion comes against him. And I want you to look with me in chapter 14, verse 5, and you'll see the beginning of a pattern I want to show you. Anytime an enemy of any kind came against Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. Look what it says. It says in verse 5, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and his mother. He's on his way to go get this bride. And he came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him. But listen what happened. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. And he tore the lion apart as one who tore apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand. Man, Samson, man, tore that line apart like it was nothing because God's hand was up on him. I don't know about some of us. We may think, wow, that ain't nothing. I don't tell you about you, but if I see a line, I'm running. Amen. Samson didn't even hesitate. But listen, not only a line, later on in the story, 30 men come against him. Look at verse 19 of chapter 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. And he went down to Ashkelon and he killed 30 of their men, meaning the Philistines. But guys, more than that, look at chapter 15. Look at what happens here in verse 14. When Samson came to Lehi, the Philistines, that's the, the enemy of God's people at that time, came shouting against him. I don't know if you noticed, but the enemy of God is shouting real loud. If you don't believe me, get on Facebook. Look at the news. Watch what's going on in our inner cities and these liberal strongholds. The enemy of God is shouting against the things of God. They came shouting, but listen what he says. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax and his burned with fire and his bonds broke loose from his flesh. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand and took it and he killed a thousand men with it. A thousand men. You know, we seem to think today, some of us, I hear everybody talking about, I'm buying ammo. I got an AR. You got one? <laughs> Friends, I want to tell you something. Without God, you can have an AR. You can have a safe full ammo. It ain't going to do you no good. Now, I got one and I got some ammo too. But I'm going to tell you what, an AR without ammo is no good. But ammo and AR ain't no good without God. See, what made America great wasn't our armies, it was God. What's kept us great ain't our military, it's God. And friend Samson, he didn't need nothing but the jawbone to go kill a thousand men. Friends, when God's with you, thank God we can get an AR. I support the Second Amendment. But praise God more than that, we still got a place where we can worship and God can show up. And His presence can be with us. See, that's what made Samson who he is. But Samson's steady doing things that are dumb, that are stupid, that he shouldn't do. 
When you get to chapter 16, this was his chief weakness. And everybody's got one. When you get to chapter 16, look at verse 1. Now Samson went to Gaza. That's a Philistine stronghold. And he saw a harlot there and he went into her. That was a pattern that was repetitive in his life. He had a weakness for the ladies. Like I told you, the biggest enemy to Samson wasn't the Philistines. It was Samson. (laughs) And if we're honest, the biggest enemy to ourselves is many times not the devil. It's ourselves and our own foolishness to do things we know we shouldn't do. He goes in and when the Gentiles were told about it, Samson's come here. Now here he is in an enemy city surrounded by nothing but enemy. He's the only probably person that is of Hebrew lineage, a man of God there. And he's, well, I don't have to tell you where he was at. When the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it's daylight, we will kill him. Why did they say that? Because the city was locked down every night That was the protection. They locked the gate. The wall was around it. No one went in. No one went out during the dark. They guarded that door, that gate. But in the morning when it got daylight, they knew they'd open the gate. And they thought when Samson comes out, we're going to surround him. And we'll know right where he's at. So they all got there. You see, the enemy likes to get a strategy. He likes to get a plan. And he likes to overcome us. But guys, listen. God was with Samson this time. And so what did Samson do? I cracks me up. <laughs> They're all waiting. All right, when they open that gate, when Samson comes out, we're going to jump on him and get him, boys. <laughs> you ever been around some people like that? But listen to what happened. Samson lay low till about midnight in the middle of the night. He didn't wait for daylight. He rose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulder and carried him to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. <laughs> That's what had happened when the power of God is on your life. But he kept tempting God. He kept going places he shouldn't go and doing things he shouldn't do. He kept drifting from God. And he drifted a little too far that he got so careless that he would be willing to dishonor and not protect the most important thing about him. He is a Nazarite. So he finally meets this harlot named Delilah and afterwards it says in verse 4 it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah we all know who Delilah was the last thing you want for a daughter-in-law is Delilah and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and they said to her listen what they told her now remember Delilah's a Philistine entice him and the enemy knows how to find what to get to entice us Why does the enemy want to entice us? Find out where his great strength is, where it lies. And by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we'll reward you. That's what Satan tells his people. Friends, you know what? He wants to use something to entice us, to rob us of our great strength, so that he can bind us, so that he can afflict us. That's what the enemy wants to do to everybody in this room. It's what he's doing to America right now. It's what he's doing to a lot of households. But friends, listen. He thought God was still with him. So he goes and keeps messing with Delilah. So he starts playing this game. Delilah says, if you love me, Samson, tell me the source of your strength. Oh, put seven bowstrings around me and I'll lose my power. So she puts it around him. He's laying there probably one eye shut. 
laughing. The Philistines are upon you. She'd tell him the Philistines would come. He'd jump up, rip the bowstrings loose, whoop the Philistines. Oh, oh Samson, I thought you loved me. If you really love me, you'll tell me the source of your great strength. The source of his great strength was his God. And friends, listen, so today they put ropes on him. Samson tells them again. He jumps up, rips the ropes loose. So finally she shames him. I thought you loved me. She whispered sweet nothings into his ear till he got weak enough to tell her the source of my strength is that I'm a Nazarite born a holy man of God since my birth. And a razor's never touched my hair. And if I shave off my hair, I'll lose my strength. So she lulls him to sleep. And that's what the devil loves to do us. He wants to lull us to sleep. He wants us to think he's the best thing happened to us. He laid his head down in her lap, a man of God full of power, never have been defeated, victorious all the days of life. He woke up a defeated man of God with no power left, and he didn't even know it when he got up till the, the Philistines took him. The saddest verse is the verse that we started out with. Look at what it says. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. So sad. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I'll go out just as before at all the other times, and I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with a bronze fetter, and he became a grinder in the prison. The devil wants to take us and control us so that he can use us instead of God. And that's just what you see happening there. I want you to think about this. The experience of Samson is true for all God's people. Anyone who drifts too far from God will experience God's departure. God will not be with us like he was when we were with him if we continue to drift away from him. And I can tell you the root the origin of everything wrong with America is that America has drifted from God. God ain't where he used to be in America. And America ain't blessed with the power and the glory of God that we once had. I want you to think about this. I don't only believe, I believe the departure of God can happen to any man. I believe it can happen to a family. I believe it can happen to a church. I believe it happens to a community. And I believe it happens to a nation, a whole country, when you read the Bible and you look at what can happen when people depart from God. In fact, I believe if a country's going to be godly, it's got to be filled with godly men. And if a family's going to be godly, it's got to have a godly husband leading it. When the man of God ain't leading the family of God, the family of God's going to be weak. And when the family of God is weak and it comes to church and you get enough of them in the church like that, the church is going to become weak. And when the churches that dot the community are filled with people who are filled with weak husbands, weak leaders that drift from God, who ain't got the power of God, the Spirit ain't moving on him, the Spirit ain't in his family, he comes to church, he doesn't have the power of God with him, he helps the church to become that way, then the community becomes that way. And when you get enough communities that way, the whole country becomes that way. And I think if we really are honest, we say, man, we've watched it happen in the last 50 years in some of our lifetimes. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, that I still believe God can bless America again. Amen. I believe that God can bless the Bethany community again. And I believe he's blessing this church. And I believe he can bless it more. And I believe he can bless our homes above and beyond. But he's got to start with blessing us. We need to 
realize we need God. Friends, Samson messed up. How many of you are able to say, I know what that's like? Well, I hate to tell you, but America had a good thing going with God. But America has forgot who's in charge. I hate to tell you, Trump ain't in charge. Biden ain't going to be in charge. Come November the 3rd, the certain person that's always been in charge, always will be in charge, is still going to be in charge. You know who he is? Jesus Christ. I want you to see what the Bible says. God reigns over the nations. The nation ain't controlled by Democrats nor Republicans or anybody else. This nation and what it becomes is controlled from the holy throne of God where all authority comes from, where all blessings flow and come from, where the where everything that's worth having in your life originates and comes from, and it's all controlled by the control of the throne room of God. I want you to see what this next one says. He rules by his power forever. That ain't he used to rule or he one day will rule. He rules forever. And his eyes observe the nations. He watches America. He watches every nation. And look at what this verse says. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. When we rebel against God as a nation or as a church or a community or a family, friends, you will not exalt yourself. You will not build yourself up. What will happen to you is what happened to Samson eventually. We have to understand that the Bible is clear. Look at this. He makes nations great and he destroys them. That's what the Bible says. He enlarges the nations And he guides them. Now the question is, do we believe the Bible? Do we believe that God is who God said he is? Do you believe God has more impact and influence over what happens to America than a vote? Now I'm going to vote, praise God. I'm going to do everything I can for America, but I've come to the place where I understand that it's God that enlarges a nation. How does he do it? He guides them. Look at that. He guides them. He builds nations by guiding them and blessing them. And friends, look at God brings nations down and God brings nations, builds nations up. Look at what he said in Jeremiah. I may have passed one up. Let me see. Nope. Oh, Lord. I'll find it here in a minute. In Jeremiah, this is the potter's wheel. We've all heard. He told Jeremiah to go down to the potter's wheel. I got a word for you. And he went down there and the potter was on the wheel and he was forming. And he was working with the piece of clay. And he said, is not Israel like that piece of clay? And am I not like that potter? And he says, can I not make Israel into what I want it to be? And he told Isaiah, the instant, I mean, Jeremiah said, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, he said to pluck it up, to pull it down or destroy it. So God's in charge of that stuff. He says, if that nation, though, against who I have spoken, will turn from its evil. I'll relent of the disaster that I've thought to bring upon it. Look at this one, though. God builds nations up. The next verse. In the instance I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it, if it does evil in the sight of that, it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit from it. Guys, there's a passage in the Bible that says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. God builds, God tears down. And friends, I want you to think about this. He made Samson who he was. He makes each of you who we are. None of us can have spiritual strength and vitality without God. As a matter of fact, 
Isaiah said it this way. I didn't use this in the last one, but it, God brought it to me in my office, and I guess feel bad to say. It says, he gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I want to tell you, my friend, God is the source of all strength and power. If you're walking in victory today, it ain't because you Baptists. It ain't because you joined the church. It's because God got a hold of you somewhere, and he's moving in your life, and he's blessing you. But friends, you might say, well, what happens when America goes so far? All he says is, if I was saying I'm going to build them up and they don't do right, I'll change my mind. But if I told them I'm going to tear them down and I'm going to destroy them and they repent, and I'll Changed my mind. Friends, look at this. As bad as it was, this man lost everything. Lost his eyes. He lost all of his life. He was put in prison. They had him on a grinder like an old donkey (laughs) turned into grinding stone to mill their corn. And then all of a sudden, he's in there. And I want to show you with God, there's always hope. This verse right here is is a cool verse. Here he is. It says, when you look at verse 21, Then the Philistines took Samson and put out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and they put him in the grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again. Friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes God lets us fall so that he can graze us up again and make us better than before. Samson was a better man without no eyes than he ever was with them. Because he's seen God for who he was. His source of what made him who he is. I want you to see what happens. It says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land. And so it says in verse 25, so it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may come and perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, I want you to think about this, the same hand who with the the jaw of a donkey that killed a thousand men now is being led around by a little lad. Boy, he's come a long ways. But listen to what it says. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. I imagine when they brought him in there, Samson said, I ain't never heard this many Philistines. Oh, it would sound like a football game, I bet. Woo-hoo-hoo, they were hooping and hollering, doing the wave. Woo-hoo, touchdown. Packed stadium. You ever been in one? You don't have to have eyes to know it's packed. Say, he said, man, I got more of the enemy here today than I've ever faced. So what did he do? Remember me, O Lord. The temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Here he is performing for them and they're laughing. But in the midst of that, Samson calls out in verse 28. Samson said, Lord, oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Oh, Lord God, strengthen me, I pray. 
three chapters, 20 years he was a deliverer for the Lord to judge. And not one time in the Bible anywhere else does it mention him praying but here. If you ain't praying, then God's going to eventually, if you belong to him, put something in your life will make you pray. <laughs> because if you ain't praying, you ain't depending on him. You ain't living with him. And he ain't working through you. So he prayed. Lord, remember me. You know what America needs to do? America as a nation needs to cry out and say, Lord, remember us. Strengthen us. Bless us. Help us. You know what some of our homes need to do? Some of our families need to do? Lord, the Philistines has got us. The Philistines are defeating us. Remember us. Help us, Lord. Friends, he cried out and God heard his cry. And friends, you know what he did? <laughs> this is awesome. We all know the story, but it can't, you can't never read it too much. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple and he braced himself against them. One on his right and the other on his left. I bet they started saying, now what's he doing? And here they are cheering. I wonder what they's going to do. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and the temple fell on the Lord's and all the people were who were in it. So the dead that he killed at the death's death were more than he had killed in his life. He died doing what God called him to do, delivering God's people from the enemy, the Philistines. He died a Nazarite again. His hair had grown back. He died with his strength. I'd rather die right with God than live forever without him. And Samson had him again. Friends, I want you to tell you something. That's a victory. And friends, today, we need to look at this story. We need to apply it to today. I don't know about y'all, but when I look at what has happened to our nation, I say, how did we get here? What caused this? Man, we went down, down last week. It's, it's everywhere. Have you anyone traveled anywhere distance far? Man, you pull in these bathrooms. You're going in and out of these little convenience stores. I mean, there's a look of dread on everyone. You go in to Walmart and everyone's got a mask on. You know, I seen on Facebook the other day, somebody said, do you need to be filled with the Spirit to go to heaven? And somebody put on there, you need to be spirit now. You need to be filled with the spirit nowadays to go to Walmart. Amen. <laughs> What's missing in our lives? Why is there not overwhelming victory? Why does America seem to be in a hopeless, helpless defeat? Because if God is where God's supposed to be, we're going to have victory. And friends, listen, COVID-19 will not be defeated by government mandates and Dr. Fauci. COVID-15, COVID-19 is going to get overtaken and we're going to overcome it when we get back on the place where we should have been with God. God's our healer. He's our strength. We're not going to overcome the things we see going on in our inner cities where all these thugs and all these people who are anarchists and want to destroy and do things. I'm for free speech. But when you're tearing up public stuff. And you're devaluing everything. You can get a hold of friends. I want to tell you something. We can't stop that. Because we ain't got God anymore. You put God back on the throne. America will be getting ready. And getting better by the next day. So what is the common denominator? I say it's that God ain't where he used to be. Why some of our homes so dysfunctional and some of our families struggling so bad? God needs to be put back in that home. Some of us daddies need to take the charge this morning and get in an altar and pray for our family, pray for our community, and pray for our country. Some of us ourselves need to say, God, I got a Philistine on me that I can't get off. 
Because when God's where he's supposed to be, a Philistine is not a threat. And God will give you victory. Samson had victory all his life. He, if you think about it, Samson's unbelievable. He only had one defeat. And that one defeat brought him back to his senses. He got right with God and he died in victory. How do you want to die? I'm determined to die victorious in Jesus. How about you? So I'm asking you this morning to stand with me. Maybe you need to get saved. Maybe you need to make a new commitment to the Lord. Maybe the Lord's saying you need to bring something up here. You need to lay a Philistine at the altar. But you need to get real today. Friends, I'm here to tell you God can overcome any enemy. And in Christ, there's victory. But without Christ, we're going to be as defeated as Samson was by the hands of Delilah and the Philistines. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for victory in Jesus. Lord, help us to see it's not just a song we sing. It's a life we should live. And that life is available today through Christ. And Jesus, I pray that every person in this room, I know in a room that's filled with this many people, there's some people who have been overcome by the Philistines. The Philistines are upon us, Lord. They're coming. They're all throughout our nation destroying that which you have blessed. Tearing down that which you have built. But Lord, you are the only one who can stop it. But Lord, if we just turn to you, I know you'd help us and you'd be with us. So Lord, I repent. I ask you to hear and have mercy on America and on our families, on our churches and our communities and upon each and every person in this room, Lord. I pray for that one who knows he's not saved, that today he'd have some courage and he'd stand for Christ and he'd say, I'm coming to get right with God and he'd publicly profess his need and he'd get saved, Lord, by your grace. And for those who are saved, who may have wandered, I pray today that you'll bring us back home. Lord, I've done all I can do. It's in your hands now. This is your altar. This is your people. I pray for you to give us strength again to walk in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need to come, come to God's altar. He's here waiting. He'll help you. He'll save you. He can deliver you. He's God. He can do whatever you believe He can do if you'll ask Him. Will you come?